Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking mojito. What are you having, Jenny? I'm drinking a glass of Pinot Grigio, and in this episode, we're exploring the infamous Gardner Museum heist, which is the largest art theft in modern history. Let's first take a look at the history of the museum and the woman behind it. Isabella Stewart Gardner was born into a wealthy family in New York City in 1840. She married her husband, Jack, and together they traveled the world and bonded over their love of art. After her father's death, she inherited $1.75 million and began expanding her personal art collection. Upon purchasing Rembrandt's self-portrait, age 23, in 1896, Isabella and Jack decided their ambitions as collectors required more space than their residence permitted and first began to consider the idea of a museum built near their home in Boston, Massachusetts. Jack suddenly passed in 1898 and Isabella was left to finish the museum alone. She played an active role in the construction process and worked alongside architect William Sears. The Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum finally opened to the public in 1903 and housed Isabella's collection of paintings, sculptures, tapestries, furniture, manuscripts, rare books, and decorative arts. Isabella hoped the museum would provide, quote, for the education and enjoyment of the public forever, end quote. Isabella died in 1924, and by the 1980s, the museum was struggling financially, leaving it in poor condition. Almost 90 years after its opening, a major theft occurred at the museum. At 1.24 a.m. on March 18, 1990, a car parked near the side entrance of the museum. Two men dressed as police officers exited the vehicle and buzzed the security team, claiming they were responding to a disturbance and needed to enter the building. On security duty were 23-year-old Rick Abath and 25-year-old Randy Hestand. One of the guards then broke protocol and allowed the men inside through the employee entrance. According to Smithsonian Magazine, the men, quote, overpowered two unsuspecting night security guards, then duct taped their victims to a pipe and a workbench in the museum basement, end quote, before announcing, quote unquote, gentlemen, this is a robbery. The intruders disabled the security cameras. However, their movement was recorded by the museum's motion sensors. The two men stole 13 works of art from the museum's galleries, notably the Dutch Room Gallery. They smashed the protective glass around two Rembrandt paintings and cut the canvases from their frames. The thieves made two separate trips to their car before escaping around 2.45 a.m. They attempted to remove the flag of Napoleon's Imperial Guard from its frame but failed to do so. Bizarrely, they left potentially the most expensive work in the museum untouched. Titian's The Rape of Europa, which was hanging in a third floor gallery. The value of the stolen items, including Rembrandt's Christ in the Storm on the Seas of Galilee and Johannes's Vermeer's The Concert, is estimated to be around $500 million today. Guards of Bath and Headstand remained tied up until the next set of security guards began their shift and called the police around 8.15 a.m. The seemingly random assortment of stolen art baffled authorities and journalists. A media frenzy occurred following the heist, yet police were no closer to finding the culprits. According to The Guardian, the museum's security flaws were common knowledge among Boston's criminal elite, making the museum a quote-unquote sitting duck. 
Investigators were initially suspicious of Hetston and Abath. Abath had been a regular on the night shift, and the evening of the heist was Hetston's first time on night shift. Because high-profile art crimes generally require an inside source, Abath was high on the list of possible conspirators. He vehemently denied any involvement and was, quote-unquote, generally cleared as a person of interest. However, in 2015, Abath raised more suspicions when a security video of him opening the same side door used by the thieves and admitting an unidentified man in a waist-length coat and an upturned collar into the museum was released. The museum's security director, Anthony M. Amori, told the New York Times the video, quote, raises more questions than it answers, end quote. In 2013, the FBI announced that they had identified the two burglars with a, quote, high degree of confidence, end quote, and two years later, their identities were shared. The prime suspects were George Risfetter and Leonard the Muzio, two associates of the late Boston crime lord Carmelo Merlino. George and Leonard had a strong resemblance to the police sketches, but unfortunately, both men died within a year of the heist. Authorities also said that they suspected the art was transported via organized crime network to Connecticut and the Philadelphia area where the thieves attempted to sell the works on the black market. After those attempted sales, however, the artwork's trail goes cold. Names of several other potential suspects have been thrown around by the public, researchers, and investigators. Former mobster Robert Gentile had long maintained his innocence despite a bevy of evidence pointing to his involvement in the crime. Investigators have suspected that Gentile may at one time have had in his possession at least some of the stolen artwork. Gentile died in 2021 at the age of 85. The 2021 Netflix series This is a Robbery centers on Bobby Donati, a mobster who may have organized the theft with fellow criminal Robert Garanti in order to use the art as a bargaining chip to get their friend Vincent Ferrara out of jail. That same year, Boston jeweler Paul Calantropo came forward with an account linking Donati to one of the stolen art pieces. Kellen Trapo claimed that Donati, whom he had known for years, showed up at his office about a month after the famous heist with an eagle-shaped finial that he asked the jeweler to appraise. Kellen Trapo said he immediately recognized it as one of the stolen art pieces and told him it was quote-unquote worthless. Both Donati and Garanti are now dead. The show even suggests that the theft could have been committed by members of the Irish Republic Army. Earlier in 2022, a tip led police to further investigate the murder of career criminal Jimmy Marks. Marks was shot twice in the back of his head while entering his home in the Boston suburbs almost one year after the heist. According to Boston News 25, quote, the killer had unscrewed the light bulb over the door to ensure that the victim wouldn't see what was coming, making Marks the victim of a classic mob style hit, end quote. Just days before his murder, Marx was reportedly heard bragging about possessing two of the stolen paintings and that he had hidden some of the stolen artworks. He was also connected to suspects Bobby Donati and Robert Garanti, 
Marx's niece, who was 26 at the time of his murder, told the Globe that shortly before his death, Marx told her that he had, quote, something big coming up and he wasn't sure if he was going to do it, end quote. At the time, she had assumed Marx was referring to selling cocaine. Another connection between Marx and the theft emerged in 2015 when Aline Garanti, Robert's wife, pointed to a picture of Marx during an interview with investigators and declared that her husband had killed him. Today, museum goers can visit the gardener in person or take a virtual tour showing what the thieves left behind. Empty frames that hang eerily on the walls as a reminder of the loss. Decades later, those investigating the burglary have still found no single motive or pattern for the crime. They have been left wondering, quote, were the works taken for love, money, ransom, glory, barter, or for some tangled combination of them all, end quote. The Gardner Museum is offering a $10 million reward to anyone who provides information leading to the safe return of the stolen works. Individuals whose information leads to the restitution of some, but not all of the works, will receive a partial reward. Anyone who helps return the missing Napoleonic Eagle Finial will receive a separate $100,000 reward. Anyone with information should contact the Director of Security, Anthony Amore, at 617-278-5114 or reward at gardnermuseum.org, and confidentiality is assured. Del, what are your thoughts on this heist? I was really excited that we were doing this case because this is one of the most fascinating true crime cases for me, especially since it's a art heist. And even though that is a multi-billion dollar criminal network, I don't think that it's really talked about in comparison to other uh, high value criminal networks. And this is probably the premier case um, when it comes to these types of crimes. It's interesting that the FBI identified two individuals that did that may have did the actual robbery, but I think that there are probably dozens of people that would need to be charged for either conspiracy to help the high school on or receiving stolen property and helping to transport stolen property afterwards. And for that, I think that it probably changed hands a lot. And all of the different groups that have been implicated probably had some sort of involvement in it. I definitely have been a big proponent that the Irish Mafia had something to do with it just because it was Boston. And they did seem to have a lot of associates that were implicated in knowing at least at one time where the artwork was. I do think it's also interesting that some of the artwork came into the Philadelphia area because that is where me and Jenny live. So it was also interesting that kind of like the upper eastern seaboard may have been implicated in transporting these artworks. I think that at this point, it would be very difficult to recover any of them. I know that one of the things in her will was that, you know, something to the effect of nothing could be replaced. And so at the museum, there's a lot of just empty frames where the artwork is supposed to be. I think that it's likely going to stay that way because at this point, nothing short of full immunity and witness protection will probably get some of these individuals to admit that they had a hand in selling the stolen artwork. And 
honestly, anytime there is a mob related crime, you have an increased level of secrecy that's involved. And a lot of the times they take like death packs and stuff like that, which they take it to their grave, the information on this. So what I feel is a minor part of this crime has been solved with knowing who actually went into the art museum. I think we have a long way to go to understanding the full scope of the Gardner Museum heist. What are your thoughts? I pretty much agree. And like that quote said, we have no idea why this heist really took place to begin with. I mean, I guess money is the biggest reason people might think. But then again, if it is used to help get somebody out of jail or to make a deal with someone, we might never know that. And I do think the police, I mean, there's tons, all of these people that we listed sound like good suspects. Unfortunately, they are all dead. So we're never going to get more information or really know the full story. Do I think that the art will be found? I'm not holding my breath, but I also wouldn't really be surprised because we do every now and then hear of these stories where someone is like having an estate sale and they found out that their grandma had this like old famous painting and they had no idea it was like a, you know, a classic piece of art. Stuff like that does happen every now and then. But I mean, considering how old some of this art is, I can't imagine it's probably being held in like the best conditions. I can't guarantee that or not, but if it will be found, I don't think it will be found in great conditions. It is a really fascinating story. And I agree, Del, we're going to get more into this in a few minutes, but I would never really think of like art theft as this big portion of crime, but it's really, it was really interesting for me personally to look into this and then to hear about some other art heist um, that we'll get into in a second. Absolutely. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that more people don't talk about art crime in the way they talk about drug crime or human trafficking? I would say because it's not something that you can really like see, or it's not something that affects a lot of people. Like, you know, drug crime, if you live near a city, you're going to hear about that violent crime, you're gonna, you know, no matter where you are, you're going to hear about that. It also might not be like super headline worthy with someone stole a piece of art from my house. A museum, I think, would definitely be more headline worthy. But I think it also goes into, you know, art is a niche interest and hobby. So it's maybe not even something people are interested in. So then therefore they don't think about it as often. What about you? I agree. I think that the niche culture of art definitely it not being something that is, you know, top of people's minds. And I also think that besides the Gardner Museum heist, we don't have as many examples like we do in trafficking cases or drug cases, organized crime. We just don't have those people that kind of come to mind when we think of art crime. I don't know if it's that the criminals are more sophisticated or... People just are not as interested because it is art. It's very high society in a lot of ways. But I do wonder if as more people are getting into true crime and looking it up and talking about it, writing about it, will the discussion around art crime outside of the Gardner um, Museum Heights become more prominent? Yeah, I'd be curious too. And I know we kind of talked about this like recently too, where 
you know, true crime gets criticized in a lot of ways. I don't think you can really criticize somebody for covering art crime. I feel like there's not as much of like a moral gray area in that regards as opposed to like a, a serial killer case. I definitely agree with you. And I think that goes with a lot of property crimes where if you are the victim of an art crime, you're already seen as very well off and it is seen as something that doesn't have as much of an effect on your life when it happens to you. I mean, I personally disagree with that assessment, but I definitely understand where it's coming from. While the Gardner Museum heist is the largest in modern history, it is by no means the only large-scale or unsolved art heist in history. So we have two more that we wanted to look into. The Ghent altarpiece, also known as the Adoration of the Mythic Lamb, is the most stolen piece of art in history. It was painted in 1432 by Jan van Eyck. Hoover and his brother and depicts various biblical images, including Adam and Eve of the Virgin Mary and John the Baptist on 12 individual panels that come together to form a complete image. It was the target of 13 different crimes, including having been stolen all or in part six times. In 1934, one of its 12 panels was stolen from the St. Bible Cathedral in Ghent, Belgium. Shortly after it was stolen, the Bishop of Ghent received a ransom note for one million Belgian francs, but no ransom was paid and the painting was never recovered. Months later, a Belgian stockbroker suddenly proclaimed on his deathbed that he alone knew the mysterious whereabouts of the painting. But all that was found was a note in his bedside cabinet drawer claiming that the panel, quote, could not be taken away without arousing the attention of the public, end quote, and he took the secret to his grave. The painting was stolen one more time by Nazis during World War II. They believed the art was a treasure map showing the location of relics of Price's passion. The altarpiece ended up hidden with thousands of other looted artworks in a converted salt mine in Austria. The painting was saved from the mines, and you can see it today at the St. Bobo Cathedral in Kent. Though the missing panel has never been found, a replacement copy is on display. Next is the Swedish speedboat heist. In December 2000, a gang of thieves heavily armed with submachine guns stormed Sweden's National Museum in Stockholm, took the security guards hostage, and stole a Rembrandt and two paintings by Renoir worth some $45 million in just a few minutes. The gang then escaped in a speedboat moored in the water just outside of the museum. The small craft was abandoned and recovered by police a short time after the heist. Not long before the robbery, police had received reports about two cars on fire near the museum, which are thought to have been a distraction set up by the thieves who also had thrown nails in front of the museum to hinder the police further. In 2001, the police received a ransom demand from a lawyer acting on behalf of the thieves, but they refused to pay. Not long after, Alexander Petrov and Stefan Nordstrom, the masterminds behind the plan, along with their lawyer and a handful of other accomplices, were arrested. Some months later, the police did recover one of the Renoir paintings by accident during an unrelated drug raid. 
Then in 2005, the FBI was investigating a Bulgarian crime syndicate in L.A. when they got word of the other stolen Renoir. According to the FBI, the Renoir had arrived in the United States around 2003, expertly smuggled through LAX. The discovery of the Renoir also led to the discovery of the Rembrandt, which was recovered in 2005 in Denmark. Any thoughts on those, Del? I know that I think the Swedish speedboat one is like straight out of a movie, for sure. Yeah, both of these are really interesting for different reasons. I think with the Ghent heist, it's interesting how many times it's been stolen. It's like, at what point do you put up better security? Um, And I know that it's in a cathedral, so maybe that's not possible, but it's just absolutely ridiculous that it's been stolen at least six times, all or part of it. I also think that it's interesting that the Nazis had stolen it and attached this significance to it, but then it was just found with thousands of other pieces in Austria. Nazis are not the smartest individuals, are they? And then when it comes to the Swedish one, yeah, it sounds like Miami Vice in a way, where there's just speedboats going and cars on fire. It's like an action movie in the worst way possible because it affected a real painting, a Renoir painting. So while it does sound like a movie, I do wonder like, What goes into planning something like this? Or are you just kind of taking it as it comes? Because if someone came to me and was like, we're going to steal $45 million worth of paintings, and then we're going to be on a speedboat, and there's going to be cars set on fire, and then we're going to do a ransom note, I would be out of that room so quickly. Like, I do not want to hear any of this or be a part of this. It's absolutely ridiculous. What are your thoughts on it? I'm glad you mentioned the planning aspect because for something that seemed like it was planned very well, that plan really fell apart, in my opinion, once they did get the stolen goods. I mean, it was just a year later when they got a a weird ransom note and then that led to like everybody being arrested. And I do think it was really a coincidence. Like I think that the police got lucky that they did find the paintings But, you know, once they got one, it led them to the other and then the other. I don't know what these people were doing afterward. I would also be out of there, too, if someone said, let's do this. The speedboat part sounds fun, but that's too much risk. (laughs) Absolutely. Not worth it. Not that we would do any crimes anyway, but we definitely wouldn't do this one. No, I don't have it in me. So Dell was kind of hinting at the world of art crime and how it's like a billion dollar industry. So let's talk a little bit more about what the world of art crime looks like. Art and cultural property crime includes theft, fraud, looting, and trafficking across state and international lines, leading to billions of dollars in losses every year. The FBI's art crime team was created in 2004 and is coordinated through the FBI's art theft program at the FBI headquarters. Since 2004, they've recovered 15,000 items valued at over $800 million. Agents on the art crime team addresses art and cultural property crime cases in assigned geographical regions. They receive specialized training in art and cultural property investigations. 
They assist in art-related investigations worldwide in cooperation with foreign law enforcement officials and FBI legal attache offices. And they also receive support from the United States Department of Justice special trial attorneys. There's also the National Stolen Art File, which is an online database of stolen art and cultural property that law enforcement in the U.S. and abroad can submit stolen items to. In in 2012, the database had over 7,500 items, including everything from fine art to Elvis memorabilia. According to Business Insider, quote, in 2011, the super rich spent more than $11 billion on art and more than $5 billion on wine. And someone that works for the art crime team said that the burglars and people in this, uh, I guess, like underground black market industry notice what people are spending money on and they kind of shift gears and practices to go after that. Stolen artwork is often sold for cash to dealers, antique shops, and pawn shops, and there are an endless amount of buyers who don't care where the art originally came from, so there will kind of always be a market for this. It's important to know that the United States does not require that the sale of a work of art have a title document to go with it. Stolen artwork is often used as collateral in a variety of different illegal transactions. And according to the FBI, the losses from elaborate cons and brazen thefts number in the billions every year. Art heists can be meticulously planned or crimes of opportunity that are carried out by an insider with access to the collection. So any thoughts or any more comments on art crime? I think that it's an interesting category of crime. And like I said before, hopefully there is more attention brought to it. And definitely more attention brought to the celebrity memorabilia side of things, because I definitely think that's going to be an increase in market in the years and decades to come. How about you? Yeah, I would like to see more about it. You can visit the stolen art file online and you can see a handful of things. I guess it's interesting, like the quality of some of the pictures on there, because frankly, in some of the pictures, I couldn't even see the details of these tables to make it look any different than a a regular table. I find it interesting that the FBI's team wasn't created until 2004. I don't know. I would think in Europe, they've probably had them longer. I don't know. When I think of like fancy art I do think of like European art rather than American art of course not to say you know that there isn't there weren't great American artists but Europe I feel like really has that long art history to it so I think that's kind of interesting it's interesting to see how they work together too because it this art is traveling all over the world making it super hard for these investigators to really go after it but I think it's really fascinating and I would like to hear more stories about it. More stories of like success too and how they found these pieces and were able to recover them. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about the Gardner Museum heist. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with an episode focused on Betty Broderick. As always, stay safe. (laughs) 